Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Robbie Helene. Hello everybody. And yes, and happy birthday, Robbie. Uh, I see what you did And there, happy Jay. birthday, listeners. Jay, it's not my birthday today. <laughs> what? I thought we had the same birthday. Happy birthday, Jay. Oh, thanks. This, <laughs> you were not expecting me to do my bit over I was the podcast. Not. I should have known better. Well, and it's funny because when people are listening to this, it won't be my birthday anymore. That's that's so, also very true. So yes. just but today when we are recording it, correct. It is my birthday, which is also the anniversary of my first Sunday here. That's wild. 7 years ago. 7 years. You had nary a single gray hair. Seven when years I came, ago, it's true. When you came here, that yes. picture is is striking. Yeah, you showed with that picture, like as if the listeners know what picture you are referring to, which you are referring. Yes, that's remember we talked about this last week. That's my new bit: is I show you things <laughs> that no one else can right. see. Yeah, so then, Robbie is referring to the a bulletin from six years ago uh-huh. that had pictures, and the picture was of me when I first got here. And it's, and I've mentioned this before, I'm not sure on the podcast or not, but my wife has mentioned it, that it's like when you have the before and after of the president, like when the president comes into office and they look so young and optimistic and, and then when they're leaving, (laughs) their hair is white. Yeah. They're all haggard. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I look like now is what you're saying. I am the, I am the after picture and (laughs) not the good kind. The president. Usually for the fitness photos, I'm the before guy. That's pretty much my, you know, and then for the presidential pictures, I'm the after guy. And that's a bad combination. I'm not going to lie. I feel like, yeah, if you're, if you're the, if you're the guy for the gym, like if CrossFit wanted to, um, wanted to advertise, I would be a leading candidate for the before pictures. <laughs> and then if you want to. Don't they typically try to use the same person for the before I think they'd and do after? They do a stunt double for me. Ah. I think they would try. I think what would happen is they would start me out as the before and they're like, we're going to transform you. This is going to be amazing. And then eventually they would cut bait and be like, let's just do Photoshop because you're, you're never going to just post like a picture of George Clooney. Look at how much that guy transformed. Look over this program. Look at, I got to yeah, buy looks, that. Yeah. <laughs> he looks better. He seems, yeah. So much more charming. Um, yeah. All the things. So yeah. That's this is all super encouraging on my birthday. All right, well, <laughs> which you made yeah. me, and then you made mm-hmm. me preach on my birthday weekend. I did. I mean, made is a strong word. I feel like it. I feel like it was strong, Whatever. especially since I suggested that I preach on that weekend, as I recall. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I'm going to be out of town for the next couple it's Sundays. True. You so. were being thoughtful of the congregation. It was the right choice. Right. Thoughtful of the congregation. Yeah. Well, don't want three weeks with no J. Right. This is feels weird. What? <laughs> so anyway, to well, be on the receiving end of encouragement, I, J. I think I don't see. think that was that was felt it? that felt ironic. It so what did you not. think? Hey, I called out on Sunday for whatever reason it popped into my head. Yeah. Like, do you think that that passed? So we so I preached through First Corinthians yes. in one sermon, which is a monumental task and. I, I feel like the Done fact with the plum. I you know I was okay. The, I was really bummed that I did not deliver my actual conclusion, and it feels really 
like a bummer. Here's your chance. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Lauren said that, but it doesn't work in a podcast. But no? in it, I um, I was curious to get your take on. Do you, would you call what Paul does there in 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 First Corinthians when he is kind of going after in 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 uh, it's five right no four when he the super apostles yeah. And he's yeah. saying basically like, oh, you, you've already become kings. You already have everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole, Super that part. Leader, yeah. And would you call, what would you use for that? Sarca- you would not call it sarcasm because I think you have stated I'd still, before. I'd still stick with irony. It's just irony. And what is the I had somebody I had somebody turn around during service and say, what, what word would you use? Right. Because Jay, if you, Jay, for those of you who did not hear the sermon on Sunday, Jay, Referenced this passage and then said that he and I disagree, that I don't like using the word sarcasm for that passage. I use a different word. But then to the dismay of a handful of congregants, he did not say what word I would use. And so I did. they were left in... Later, I did. I said irony. Did you? Mm-hmm. He missed that. Well, I think, he, I think he jumped the gun. Oh, that's true. That's, that's a fair I didn't point. say it right away. I then... When I reread some part of the passage, I don't know. I remember saying something with irony. I don't know. The recording will show, but um, we'll go to the tape. Go to the tape. So it's 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 tricky because our our discussion over that is: Are we talking about the actual definitions of the word or the colloquial usage of the word? Like we people use the term sarcasm to describe what is actually irony, which is when you say the opposite of what you really mean. People say, "Oh, I'm being sarcastic." No, you're actually being ironic. If you say like, "Oh, it's." really warm in here when I'm like shivering because it's so cold. That's not sarcasm. That's irony. When you use irony in order to belittle and shame someone else, then that is sarcasm. Sarcasm is the cruel use of irony. But to just say the opposite of something, so to say like, oh, you guys have everything you need. Like he's being ironic. He's saying the opposite of what is actually true. And what's interesting about that is he ends that by saying, I, I do not say this to shame you. Precisely, which is why I would you. say it's, it can't be sarcasm because he's intent, he literally says, I'm not trying to shame you. Right. Which if he were trying to shame you, like, so in, there are other passages where he says, our, says our discussion yeah. is like, is he actually shaming them? And that's yeah. when, when that's the case and you go, okay, well, maybe, maybe you can call that sarcasm because he's... Well, he is kind of trying to embarrass them or whatever. Right, except in 1 Corinthians, when he does say, I think two other times he says, I, I say this to your shame. Right. He's saying something very direct. Correct. He's not He's not saying the opposite of what he means. Correct. He's not using irony there. He's saying, this is how you're handling communion. I say this to your shame because you're not right. handling this well. Um, I think, yeah, so I just find that interesting. I, I agree with you. I And I, I concede that... It is the colloquial use of it that we use. We just say sarcasm, and yeah. I do think he he is he he's mocking ideas, and I see Jesus doing that too. Like there is a sense of mockery, but it's not meant to belittle or shame the person, correct? As much as it is like to maybe um, paint this this thought process as like well, this is foolish, you know? Like let me try this out for you. Let me show you. Like it sounds like you're this is what you're thinking. And so you mm-hmm. say it like that and you, you, you want it to sound silly yeah. because you're like, Oh, well, when you put it that way um, and whatever the, the English grammatical term is for that. And I just thought it was fun to point out that 
because I, I, I couldn't get rid of it in my head when I was going to say, like, I love this passage because it's just so it's so sarcastic. Um, and the tiny Robbie on your Ro- shoulder. Yes, the tiny like, Robbie. No, like, it not, isn't. It's not actually sarcasm. Like pushing up his his dictionary imaginary taped glasses. glasses, you know. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, so, uh, but. <laughs> is that my voice in your head? Uh, yeah, that is the okay. voice. When it's, when okay. it's about a word. Um, actually. That's what it goes on in my head when it's it's a little Urkelish, you know. I mean, but, you did you did publicly call me a nerd during this sermon, which as I well. feel like is okay today. In the eighties, yeah. if we're in the nineteen eighties, that would be an insult. Oh, that would have been scathing. But like, yeah, but scathing. nerd culture is like so popular That's now true. that I feel like there were there were so many people that were like, yeah, me too. You know, so. I wasn't insulted by that. Just good. in case anybody's oh good, because now I'm gonna get emails. How dare you, sir? So I'm curious, I want to ask you a question about this because you, um, the theme that you saw is like the, th- the way you would have preached first Corinthians is not at all. I'm sure the way that I preached it. And I know that because in our outlines, like what you kind of were thinking of the main point, I was like, mm, I, for me, that's not, <laughs> that sounded so terrible. <laughs> you, but huh. when you're talking about a, a book that is this long, you know, letter yep. and there's going to obviously be multiple themes and multiple angles. Certainly. And I think like what, what just struck me as I was going through the whole thing, just reading it as a whole was just like how it all kept driving back to this idea of you are the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so function as the body of Christ and that this is not, you are it's not okay for you to be separate. It's not okay for you to just kind of live with your own little, your own little pockets your own little like your your own little way of expressing worship, your own little way of doing communion, your own little way of dealing with like when you think you've been wronged, your own personal way of like none of it's all gone because yeah. twice he talks about you, you're not your own like you you are now you belong to this this body that um that is Christ and um so I that was what just kept driving so all the little offshoots that i wanted to get onto i felt like i I can't do that i can't do that but the big things were driving back at this idea so i'm curious like number one like would you agree that that is a main theme and then how how would that have fleshed out differently for you like when you're when you're thinking about it yeah i absolutely would agree that that's a main theme i mean that idea of of unity is is a consistent thread throughout all of that that he's coming back to so i wouldn't I wouldn't say it differently than that. Um, the only thing I would add to that is I think another th- thread that is common throughout there is it is right worship of God. That a lot of that is kind of instigated by mm. um, about how as a body, both in the corporate worship service, because there's like really specific chapters in there, specific paragraphs that are about what you're doing when you gather together to worship and and whether you're doing that the way God actually has asked us to and the way he wants us to do that or whether you're taking matters into your own hands and just doing what you want. Um, but then also that that worship isn't like spills out into the rest of our lives, right? So mm-hmm. it's actually about how we're loving one another throughout the rest of the week, not just what we're doing in the corporate worship gathering on Sunday. So I think I think the problem, the way I would probably articulate it is the is the problem is wrong worship of God, and the the answer is to be unified together mm. under 
right worship of God. Like there's like, so both of those threads are certainly, are certainly throughout. So let's talk about that for a minute. Cause I, I, that was one of my points. Um, unfortunately it was the last point when I had gone on too long already. So it got a little fast forwarded. Um, but I'm curious you as a person who is responsible here, um, at least for the next couple of weeks, responsible here for, um, largely responsible for our corporate worship service. Yeah. And when I say corporate worship, I know it's like the family worship service. Yeah. Gathered worship. The gathered worship. Um, how have you thought through that when you when you look at what scripture um commands about worship? Because we are in a culture that tends to um like if you take something seriously, then that means other things about like formally and, and ritualistically and, and all this stuff that you go down, but then go down that road. And then there's been a pushback against that to lend itself more to being informal and yes. more laid back. And um, like where, like where in that and how have you tried to think about that? Because I think our services are a little, at least they're unique from what I have experienced in the past that as we've kind of, it's developed is that there are some very formal um, aspects of our service. And then there's very, but there's also a very informal nature to mm. it. And I'm just curious, like how have you thought through that when you look at a b- book like first Corinthians and like, you know, number one, how specific has God gotten in what we're supposed to do in that gathered time? Yeah. And, and how do you think through when we have liberty and freedom to do other things and when we don't? Man, that's the question, right? I mean, there's there's two big camps on, on either side of that. Either we only do what God has specifically commanded us to do in Scripture, or we can do anything that God does not specifically condemn in Scripture. Right? So it's only the things it specifically says, or anything as long as it's not specifically condemned. Uh, those are the, the kind of the two extremes that you can land on. And we're, you know, probably somewhere along that spectrum, not necessarily in either of those ditches. I I would say I don't want to, I don't want to ever minimize or remove something that God has explicitly commanded us to do in scripture in order to insert something that he has not, um, so I don't I don't think it's wrong to do things in corporate worship that are not specific. Like, like we can do things other than ha- share communion, right? Because corporate worship is supposed to include communion. It's supposed to in- include singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's explicitly commanded. It's explicitly commanded that we would uh, proclaim God's word, that we would share testimonies, that we would celebrate baptisms. Like those are things that we're supposed to do when we gather together and those are explicit. So we're going to do this. We are definitely going to do the things that scripture commands us to do when we gather together. We're going to give of our finances because that's commanded when we gather together. Like each of these things that we do, if scripture says you should do that, we're definitely going to do that. And then if there's time, if there's room for anything outside of that, that we believe would be beneficial to the congregation to stir our affections for Christ or to uh, to unite uh, with one another, um, <laughs> then then we're going to, you know, we'll we'll do those things as long as we're not having to cut one of the essentials in order to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
I just you're gonna have to explain why you just laughed there. It's because I know. We, last week we finally got you out of a squeaky chair two weeks ago. We got you, and you're yeah. in the non-squeaky chair, and, and somehow I managed you, to make it squeak. Yeah, you made it squeak. I you're shifted just so, in such a way. You're just so fidgety. Um, yeah, it totally makes sense. I think that's part of what is helpful to say. We are not in the camp that says you can only do these things we're in the camp that says god has commanded certain things and that's what i wish i would have had more that's one of the things i wish i would have had more time to talk about um you don't have to agree so emphatically with that but yeah yes you're right i'm agreeing with the statement not the you should have said something about (laughs) Um, but that we are in the camp that we believe that god commands certain things and those are things that he commands for our good and our joy like it's and i think there's there's obviously wisdom in God commanding them, but we see that wisdom. Yep. So yes. why is it important that we share testimonies? Well, because you need to hear that it makes sense that in a corporate worship setting and a gathered worship space that we would all rejoice in hearing what God is doing in, in different people's lives, yes. not just instruction from the Bible, but also testimony to what God is actively doing. Correct. It makes sense that we would pray together like as a gathered body it makes sense like that's a good rhythm communion is an important rhythm that was was instituted for us that we need to observe together and so i tried to and i I said it really quickly but that we when we think about some of these things is, is like what what is what are the things that we do together that that only make sense when we're together or are most impactful when we're together um and that that go to the unity of the church, that it is this public testimony of the gathered body, that we as a gathered body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ, that we worship Christ. Um, and, and so to your point, some of our filtering is just simply time. Like That's right. some of it is just simply, we could do everything if we wanted to have a four hour service, right? but the vast majority of people in that room are not really interested in a four-hour service, and so we have to make editorial decisions of what makes it in and, and what doesn't. And it can't be just what I like more. Uh, right. I mean, I I love music and prayer. So, like, should Sunday morning just be all music and prayer? I think there's also supposed to be communion that takes place. And I also think that like scripture commands that we should be proclaiming the word of God. Like there's other elements. Now I also like those other things, but if I say like, well, this is the part that I like most. So I wish it was mostly that, or I like this other element that I think is interesting or fun or engaging. And I wish we made time for that. Well, then we have to ask, okay, then what aspect of the service feels expendable or are we okay with, adding another 15 minutes to the service. Maybe maybe that is the answer. Maybe maybe we say if we aren't doing it, we should take more time for for more testimonies because I want to hear but that would be different. Lots of them. I mean that's every the Sunday. funny thing is like that is something we are supposed to do. Yeah. So I would argue if we if people are saying, "Yeah, let's have the service be a half an hour longer." I'd say, "Great, let's fill it up with more of the things that we That scripture says that we should do." Say, right. Like, right. I would just say Let's sing another song together. Let's have right. another testimony. Let's, you know. I would like to incorporate a weekly episode of Parks and Recreation during the service <laughs> because that show is funny and I think that that would be interesting. And there's some interesting teaching points that could come out of that. Yeah, that's. And it's funny because um, if we did have extra time, we would just want to fill up that extra time with more of the things that 
God has given us to do That's as right. a family worship, you know, that we would have more testimonies. We'd sing another song. We would, I'd love to, I, and I do think there are things that we need to, that we need to introduce and, and figure out how to do that. And I like praying for one another and having that be more, a more specific to time. To more like, prayer. Yeah. Right. That, that that's a good time. We should be gathering around people and praying um, for one another. So there are these things that would say, even if we did have more time, we would do, we would do more of the things that we've been given um, to do, which uh, right now, which is funny is that the sermon in the evangelical church has become so front and center that it, it's expected to be a certain amount of time. And that's the thing that, you know, I often think, man, I need to, you know, me of all people need to get more efficient and, you know, shorter to make room for some of these other things, Mm -hmm. um, which was our part of our decision of doing communion before the sermon. Part of it was we wanted it to be the center of the, the worship service. But also I, I I was thinking if something is going to be rushed, I want it to be the sermon. Like if we're going to feel the weight of people going like, oh, service is gone, is going longer than normal. I want that to be me that feels the pressure of that, not, not communion. It just, it would just make me so sad if people are like, oh man, and we're still going to take communion. You know, it's, mm, yeah. that, that I just could not, I can't handle. And so I think like for so many reasons, we put it earlier in the, in the service, um, but it is a it's a challenging thing, and obviously over the years you've you've been many suggestions have come to you about like well why don't we do this thing or why can't we do this and I hope the illustration came across. I do need to ask this. I made the illustration about Lou's painting out here, and I hope that that was understood properly. I feel like afterwards I'm like oh man I hope people didn't think like well yeah like that painting and that's no big deal. Like I'm trying to make the point of man there are just incredible gifts in the church that God has given for the building up of the church. And some of those gifts are at home in the corporate, the family gathered service like that makes sense. And some of those gifts are meant to be an encouragement outside of that worship service. And, and art is one of those. Like I, I love that painting and I love art and I, it, it stirs me and it moves me and it builds up the body but I was trying to use the example of we wouldn't take an hour for Lou to come up and just paint, you know, in, in front of everybody because that wouldn't make sense in the family worship. Did that make sense? You're looking at me. Yes, weird. I agree. Oh, I agree. Okay. And we've we've tried things like that in the past, like in, in efforts to try to be creative and, right. and exercise different gifts. Like we've oh, yeah. had people like during a worship night sculpt something or paint something while we were singing. And, and I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's... Um, I think that can be, in the right context, a beautiful way to to express that. Our choice was to do that during a specific night of worship and prayer, where the goal is to spend the entire evening like just worshiping and expressing our delight in God. And so we're going to do that in different ways. We didn't do that on a Sunday morning because Sunday morning has, a, I believe, a different purpose like because i'm not going to say hey we'd love to do communion but instead robbie's going to get up there with a big lump of clay and make a giant head of something like that's not a good trade like we're trading (laughs) something that is right a beautiful and essential aspect of of worship of jesus with something that's cool and fun and engaging it's not wrong it's not sin it's not it's just 
it's I, I'd rather do the better thing in our in the precious few moments that we have when we're all together. I want to do the best things, and I want to take that time to do the things that that n- not only are are most likely to, but Jesus tells us are the things that make you remember me, that make you delight in me, and that unify us together. Like I I want to leverage that those precious few moments where we're all together to to do the best things. Yeah, the dumb illustration that comes in my mind is going to a wedding where the family is all together and they're all like they it's a celebration of the family being together and someone says like hey, you know it would be great like we're celebrating the family here today, right? Like yes, we we are. This this is what we're doing. Awesome. Like I just love how Uncle Frank is so good with cars. Can we just pull a car into here and have him change the oil? Like this, this is such a dumb illustration in my mind, but it's like we've all been so blessed by Uncle Frank's ability to like. So we're celebrating together. Let's do that. Like you'd be like, oh, that doesn't fit here. Like we love right. that Uncle Frank does that. And you're right. That is a really, that's a great gift to the family, and and we all love that and appreciate that. But also, this the reason we're gathering together here is. Yeah this specific thing. And so we're going to be the family together in pursuit of this thing. And for us in weekly worship, that is like, it's exalting the name of Christ and um, proclaiming the gospel and, um, and praying together, like all these different pieces that have been given to us to do. These are the things that we do when we, we get together. Now the question would become always the fear with all this is how do you keep it from becoming ritualistic and and how do you get it like what is it about these things um is it merely just these actions that okay so god tells us to worship in this way because we see it in the old testament and the new testament god tells us to worship this way um but it's not just about doing those things so just because so i think it's i think if we don't do what god asks us to do when we come together that is a way to be unfaithful in worship but just because we do the things that we're told to do doesn't make it automatically faithful worship. Like there's right. something else going on in this that Paul is even driving at too. Um, that even if they do all these things, it's not about like making sure we do all the right things in the right order and all of that. Like there's something deeper going on there. Which is why I love that you brought up in the sermon. What if we began to think about it, that the, the service, you know, worship actually begins 15 minutes before we arrive. I mean, reality is worship is every moment of every day, but right. in, in terms of corporate worship, right. like I'm, I'm actually intentionally preparing myself for this thing instead of what is often the case is we think like, well, Sunday morning worship is what prepares me for the week. So like, that's the thing that's going to kind of, you know, encourage me and, and, and refill me. And certainly it, it plays sure. that role. Yes. But, but am I... And is is there a difference in me walking in going, man, I hope I get this out of the sermon this morning because I really need this versus I can't wait to to bring my best in worship of my heavenly father and Jesus through the Holy Spirit together with my brothers and sisters this morning? Like, am I preparing my heart when I wake up that morning to be ready to worship God on the drive over there? Am I praying with my family and getting ready to say like, Hey, this is what we get to do together now. Like are our hearts ready to, to worship God together? Mm-hmm. 
and and how different of an experience that Sunday morning would be if that was my posture toward it. Yeah, and I think the attitude there, so I think it would be helpful even as we kind of move towards wrapping up is to give some practical help in that of what does it look like then to prepare for Sunday morning worship. But I, I do want to make a note of like, what are you actually preparing for? And it's mm-hmm. what it's just understanding like, number one, your presence matters. It, it just, even yeah. the testimony of the people gathered. I mean, when you go into a worship service, and there are people in there that is just your physical presence is a testimony to the goodness of God and that, that we are all worshiping together. I mean, imagine if you went to a church where they gave you individual booths that you worshiped in, like you all at the same time, but that would, that would have a completely yeah. different feel. Um, but I also think it's understanding that, um, that our gifts that, that we've been given, they are, they exist. It's, it's a selfless um, existence of those gifts. Meaning when I come on Sunday morning to, to worship, I, I don't go to it thinking, um, well, these are my gifts. I have to make sure I use them in this particular way that it's, well, I'm bringing all that I have and all that I am and just going to be there. And then as God calls me to use any of those, whether it was in advance or in the moment, I will do it. My example for that is, Obviously, one of my roles here is to preach, but I also prepare on Sundays that I'm not preaching and I may still right. exhort someone on that Sunday morning, but I'm not going to, if if it's a Sunday where I'm not preaching, I'm not going around saying like, okay, well, my role and my gifting is, is preaching. So I'm going to find some way to preach to somebody. Like, I'm going right. to, I got to go use that gift. It's like, no, I, I'm going. And on that Sunday, I don't. Right. I may not use that gift at all. And conversely, you're not walking in on that Sunday saying, well, my gift is to preach and I'm not preaching this Sunday, so I'm off the clock. Right, exactly. So yeah. I don't have to engage anybody yeah. or minister to anybody because right. I'm I'm the preacher and I'm not doing that this morning. Right, and which, you know, it'd be funny if you think about our different worship leaders, when they're not actually up there leading worship, they still sing. Right. They, they still sing in the yeah. congregation. They still worship. Because they're, they're worshiping. Even yeah. if they don't and, have a microphone. Right, even if they don't have a microphone. And so, yes, so on one, it would be silly to say, well, my gift isn't used on that Sunday morning, so therefore I'm not bringing anything. Everybody brings something. And there are certain things that are arguably the most important that every believer is called to do. So meaning to encourage one another, to love one another. Yes. All the, like 51 or whatever one another's, we are called to do those things. And so the last thing that is of any concern is actually whether I'm preaching or not. The vast majority of what I'm called to do on a Sunday morning is actually not preaching. Right. That may be the most obvious thing. And that may be the thing that's most central in that moment, but it is, I have, I have a whole litany of other responsibilities and so does every other person that comes on a Sunday morning. So, if you're like normally the one that does the PowerPoint and you're not doing the PowerPoint that week, well, even on the weeks that you were doing the PowerPoint, you had 50 more important responsibilities, um, to, to care for the body and to build up the body. And I just don't know how to get people. So on one hand, I would say, man, how, how do you, how do we get people to buy into that? Because I can say it, so those are really the two closing questions. How do you get people to buy into it? I'm wondering if you have some other way to mm-hmm. to illustrate it because I can say it and everyone's like, oh yeah, I can, like I, and I, the, the way that I tried to give that illustration was genuinely saying the testimonies, like I get to watch right. the congregation. 
I am very in tune with what is happening on the faces of the congregation on any given Sunday when I'm up front. Normally that's happening when I'm preaching and I see like, I see if they're confused, if they're with me, if they're not with me, if I need to explain something more, all these different things I'm reading from the congregation. Right. When I get to sit up there during a testimony, I'm doing the same thing. And it's amazing to me how encouraging those testimonies are. Right. And like, I, I jokingly was like, I have to work hard to get that kind of response. Well, that's because it's the spirit right. and the testimony through a person who's just saying, I'm going to follow Jesus in baptism is part of the power of that is because everyone that's sitting there is going like, well, you're not paid to say that you didn't prepare. Right. Like, like this is, this is just this genuine, you are doing this for no other reason other than like, this isn't your job. This isn't your weekly responsibility. You're standing up there way out of your comfort zone because this is how much Jesus means to you. That's powerful, right? Very. And yeah, to very. understand that that's why it's in that same way, how you turning around on a Sunday morning and introducing yourself to somebody who's new, who may have been terrified to walk in the door, who may have had may, may have driven to the church parking lot 12 times and never walked in the door. Right. And finally that Sunday walked in the door and then you turning around and greeting them with a smile is actually because you notice them because God has wired you to notice people will actually have a far bigger impact than anything else that happened in that service. Yeah. So getting people to buy into that, like how do you get them to actually believe that I'm not just being like, Hey, everybody's important. Cause that's what the star quarterback says at the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody, even the equipment manager is like, yeah, okay, but yeah. but really, Tom Brady, it was mostly you, right? Like, can we just can we just acknowledge <laughs> that? You have the world's greatest equipment manager, but... Yeah, Bill does a bang-up job getting those chin straps on those helmets. Totally, <laughs> absolutely, and that's great, but he didn't throw any touchdown passes. <laughs> but in the body, it yeah. literally is that. Like, how do you get people to not see it that way and to see it as it really is? I mean, if I could unlock that secret, man... I mean, my, my, my own, not as an excuse, but my only comfort in my inability to do that to the degree that I wish I could is that, uh, Jesus didn't do that every time. Like he, 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 you, you, you preach the truth of that and then people didn't always respond and buy into what he was saying sure. either. So the reality is like you either believe it or you don't. And if I really believe it, then, then I want to try to practice that right i want to say i'm going to say like okay if what you said is true then next sunday i'm getting up 30 minutes earlier than usual and i'm going to actually try to prepare i'm going to i'm going to open the word i'm not going to wake up on a sunday and go i don't need to read the bible because i'm going to get my bible at church i'm going to open up and say like i read the bible because i want time with jesus and so i'm going to specifically take some time with jesus so that i will be ready to celebrate him with all my brothers and sisters and i'm going to see if that has any effect whatsoever on my attitude during the worship service. And I like I would challenge any listener to do that. If you're going to do that sincerely, if you're going to say I'm going to make an effort to say I'm going to as we're driving, I'm going to pray for my family and with my family and just say God, thank you that we get to do what we're about to do together. I pray that we would see you all over the place that you would help us see somebody who we need to connect with or encourage and then Watch and see if he actually responds to that because he will. He is going to respond. If you are actually going to put yourself out there and there, the Holy Spirit is so consistent, so hilariously consistent that you will find it laughable how different your experience is and, and how often you go, oh, 
I prayed that on the way and I met like three new people and it was weirdly awesome. And and as you actually practice that and you see God doing what he promises he's going to do, like the father loving his church and, and Jesus making his presence known through his spirit and over and week after week, you go, this is so, so much better than just showing up hoping that we sing my favorite song and the sermon is funny and engaging. Like it's so much better than you're, you're, you're never going to look back. Like you're not going to want the old thing again. You're going to go, okay, now, now I believe it. And I believe it like through experience and that that's what makes it tangible. And then that's what you share with someone else. Like, so we can do this because we've experienced it. And I'm going, you just got to trust me. Like you have to try this mm-hmm. and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then when you taste that and you find him delicious, then you go, okay, I want more of this. I think, yeah, and that, so that's really helpful. So I think the the practical takeaways in that are, yeah, try give it, getting up. I mean, one thing to do is just get up earlier, 30 minutes earlier. And I know we think like, oh, Sunday, that's, you know, that's a day that I, it's already early enough to have to get up. Like, okay. But I mean, when you think like this is a supernatural thing, and I think that's part of right. what we don't understand about worship is that this is not just showing up and like you would show up for a, a show or something like that. Like there, the, the spirit of the living God is with us and among us in a unique way when the church is assembled. Yes. And that's, I, I can't explain all the mystery of that, but it is the case. And so I think getting up and, and just taking seriously that, and I love what you said about them praying on the way of like, thank you God that for what we are about to be able to do. Like we, we get to gather together with the body and worship. And then, you know, and I think about just really buying into the idea of, of, of how God is working through all of his children to minister to all the people who are gathered there every week. God has placed people here who, you know, need the gifts of the other people in the body. And, um, and then you start to realize, Hey, the sermon, it's important. Like I'm always going to preach my heart out, you know, and, and I'm going to, proclaim the gospel and I'm going to try to, you know, get people to respond to that and, and to do all that. But when it's at its best, that is a, it's, it's serving and it's a, I don't want to say a supplement, but it is like, it's, it is, it's, it's like going, it's like going to a family dinner. And when you say, man, grandma made this incredible meal, but it just added to the atmosphere of loving your family members and laughing together and encouraging each other and watching like people you love growing up and seeing the kids and seeing like nobody would ever say like if the pot roast got burnt that you'd be like, well, that was a waste, but it, and, but the more you enjoy being together and the more you're celebrating together, the less important actually that like bummer about the pot roast, but, but, but how awesome was this? And, but when there is that good meal in that sense, like you are, it is, I do see preaching as kind of this presenting of this meal and, and like that you get to partake in, but you're partaking in it together. And there's something powerful in that, um, that, that doesn't happen. Honestly, it doesn't happen when you just listen to the sermon later on and there can be good things about it, but it's kind of like eating leftovers in in a sense of like, yeah, it was better though. 
around the table yeah. with my family because when it's the like fresh. value was being around the table with my family. Right. Not the pot roast. Yeah, it wasn't just the pot roast. And yeah, pot roast is still good. I love yeah. leftover pot roast. And Me too. And so it can and I listen like we've talked about before, I listen to sermons and and read old like hundreds of years old sermons. Like there's there's value in all that. Yeah. And the spirit of God still works through those things. But I think so I'm going to land my portion and then I'll let you just land the plane. But in to kind of recap what we're talking about, it matters how we worship God together. Hopefully that's been helpful in that, but just to one, be mindful of the, the mysterious, like supernatural thing that's happening when we all get together yeah. and that you get to be a part of that and that you are a part of that, um, to value that. And then if that is such an important thing, then how much more important is it that I prepare to enter that? And then we just encourage you to do it. Like give it, give it a few weeks of, of saying like, I'm going to prepare and then see what happens. And then when God does respond, please share your stories with us. Oh yeah. That's our favorite. That's our favorite. We, we love, we love hearing those stories. We love sharing those stories because those are, as you said earlier, Jay, like those are the stories that stir our, uh, I mean, like the accessibility of God, like when you hear one another saying, I, this is, this is what God is doing. This is what I was like before. This is what it's like now that that encourages me and feeling like, oh man, I'm, I'm also still growing. And uh, so we, we love getting to hear those things and we love your questions as well. That's what we're here for. We want to be able to help you. So if there's anything at all that we can do to, to clarify or encourage or, uh, if you hear this and you think, yes, I really, really want to do a better job of preparing for worship, uh, I just don't, I need help in what that looks like in my family, in my context, in my life, then we are here to help with that. So grab us on a Sunday after service, or you can reach out to us at connect at faithpeshtigo.com. And until next time, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.